we forget that God's in control. And that's a wonderful thing for children to learn and for us adults to be reminded of. Take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Stand with me, if you will. Matthew chapter 5, if you can. Stand for the reading of God's Word. Am I on? Is my mic on? It is good. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. I want to talk to you about salt and light this morning. Matthew chapter 5. Run down to verse 13, starting at verse 13, sorry, 13 all the way to 16. Let's read it together, can we? On the first here, verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, let us hear you this morning and hear you loud and clear. You spoke to a large crowd that day. And I wonder, I wonder if we could put our feet into their shoes and just stop for a while and listen to you teach, listen to you uh, encourage, and also compel us to live a different way, God. We're in a very dark world. We're in a really messed up world, God. And uh, you saved us out of that mess. And I pray that we would trust you, that you know how to make things right. And uh, Lord, I pray we would just follow you and we would become salt and light in this generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Matthew is all, the beginning of Matthew is all about Beatitudes. And we've been talking about um, the Christian life. Now, the Beatitudes are kind of a summary of how a Christian lives. These Beatitudes are eight completely different ways of thinking and living than we normally would live. Jesus taught them here in chapter 5. He began by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's like we've been taught to hunger and thirst after riches and after success and after popularity. And Jesus says, No, you'll be blessed if you seek righteousness and godliness. So when you live by these beatitudes, it'll be quite obvious. People will see uh, something not just different about you, but something bright about you. Notice the use of the word salt. So, you know, if you stay poor in spirit, if you actually have a way of just staying back and letting, letting others get all the limelight, and if you just have a way of, of being able to mourn. You know, yesterday was an amazing day. All over America, people stopped. They wore black as if they were at a funeral. And they mourned the passing of recent laws that allow for the killing of children even after they're born. And it was a day of mourning yesterday. And blessed are those that do take time to mourn over things that are desperately wrong. When you can maintain meekness when you're frustrated, God says you're blessed. You stay hungry and thirsty for righteousness instead of up and down, always seeking the world through Saturday and then Sunday saying, oh, seek God. Let me tell you, when you live these beatitudes, you shine differently than, than the world is because we're, we're, we're a light. Now, these beatitudes are the heart of what Jesus calls living by good works. Believe me. Uh, these are works. This takes a lot to live by those, seven, those eight Beatitudes. It's one thing to give your money to the poor. As a matter of fact, it's almost too easy to give money to the poor. But it's very, cool, very tough to stay humble when you become successful. Or when everybody else seems to be popular and you yearn to do something to get your, your name out there or to be noticed by some guy or some girl. It takes a lot of work. Now, uh, according to Jesus, if you look at this verse there in verse 13, Jesus says, ye are the salt of the earth. Not that we 
should be, not that we ought to want to be, but we already are an answer. We actually are uh, part of the solution in this world. As crazy as it sounds, Christians actually make a difference in this world. So we need, we need to take our role seriously and not be ashamed of who and what we are and what we do. So I want to talk to you about what we are as Christians. And it may surprise you, but according to verse 13, Jesus announces that we are two things in 13, 14, 15. He says that we are salt. Doesn't sound real good. I want to, most people want to be Cadbury's chocolate, you know. Uh, I want to be platinum or gold, uh, you know. But some people want to be sugar. But Jesus said, you are salt. And he says one other thing, you are light in this world. Now notice the ye at the beginning there. He says, ye are the salt. Ye is plural you. So he's pointing to that entire crowd, just like I'm pointing at all of you. And he says, it's not just my 12 apostles and disciples that people think we're elite. No, it's all of us are salt and light. Anybody that is a follower, those of us who've chosen to follow Jesus. By the way, if you haven't chosen to follow him, you're doomed, man. If you're not following Jesus, you're following something else. And the, uh, everything else that you're trying to follow, fame, uh, uh, wealth, um, popularity, um, your, 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 your own um, uh, goals, if you follow all of those things, they will lead you to a hole in the ground where worms will eat you. You need something that's worth more than life itself to live for, and that's Jesus Christ. And if you choose to follow him, Jesus is talking to you. So if we are followers of Jesus, you just need to, am I following Jesus? If you are, then we are all salt and light. We need to understand and ponder what that means for our lives. So when he starts off and he talks about salt, I want to just, I mean, I don't even have to ask you, you know, what is natural salt? I'm not talking about MSG either, you know. You know, it's, uh, now we're very aware that MSG just something's wrong with it. They say, oh, there's nothing wrong. Yeah, they say that about everything these days is in our food. But something's wrong in our food. But salt, natural salt, salt is mostly a natural mixture of something called sodium chloride. Sounds very deadly, you know, but it's not. Sodium and chloride, when mixed together, makes a substance called salt. It's actually, it's, it's in, it is in every home, it's in every restaurant, at least you always hope it's in a restaurant. But it is actually essential for life on earth. I mean, just as important as water, you cannot live without some salt. Uh, it has been estimated that salt is used in more than 14,000 different ways and processes. Now, how is it formed? Now, this is really cute because most natural salt was formed about 4,500 years ago by the evaporation of a worldwide flood filled with death. You ever wonder where all that petrol comes from that you put in your car? You know where that comes from? That comes from a worldwide flood world and everything on the surface was, was, uh, was flooded and, and was killed and judged by God and then squished. And so when you're pumping that petrol, remember, that's great, 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 great grandpa that did not get on the ark with Noah. Amen. Those are the dinosaurs you're burning up. Those are the birds, everything. And salt is also a testimony of the destruction of life on this earth just 4,500 years ago. Um, what do you get? Well, it's kind of funny. Salt comes from salt mines. You think it comes from Tesco. But it comes from mines that are literally all over the world. It's not like in one little area over here, but it's all over the world. Um, you can also get it by the evaporation of salt, uh, by uh, seawater, and also mineral-rich spring water in shallow pools. Have you ever been to some of these places where the water leaves a, um, uh, a colors on the side? It's because there are minerals in there, and sometimes it's salt. Now, you may not know it, but just below us, it doesn't have to be 30 feet, but there are veins of salt all over the world, and they dig down and they find these veins of salt that look like this, and they just dig it out. It's just incredible. Salt is everywhere. Now, there are a lot of uses for salt. The majority of salt that we think about is used in seasoning, 
like when you go to Dino's, you know. And you, they say, you want some salt? You go, yes. And then you say, oh, why did I say that? Because they just pour it on. So we season our eggs, we season our potatoes, our chips, and so on. We do that to give it flavor, as if it didn't have flavor beforehand. But anyway, we use salt for seasoning. But throughout history, most of it was used before as a preservative, especially for meat. And for thousands of years, you would, you would take a, a piece of meat. They didn't have refrigeration, so they would just pour on loads of salt on the outside of that, that chunk of meat, and then they would hang it high enough so the dogs wouldn't get it and the bears and everything else. So salting was one of the main methods of food preservation, and it's still done today. Uh, I remember Nita and I, we bought our first ham when we came to Ireland, uh, and we bought this ham, and she cooked it, and we tried to eat it. And we choked on the amount of salt that was on the outside. We didn't know that you had to soak it to get that salt out of the outside of the skin. We had no idea how much salt was on top of that stuff. So even to this day, they put salt around things to help preserve them. We also use salt. You ever seen a pile of this anywhere? Now in Ireland, it's not used too often, but over in England and in Europe, when they have a lot of snow, they pile up the salt because it melts ice. Oh, it melts slugs, but we won't go there. It melts ice on footpaths and on roads, so they, they use salt for melting ice, and they also use it for health. Uh, humans need salt. It actually helps you retain water instead of perspiring and sweating. I know women don't won't sweat, they perspire. But for those of us who normally sweat, uh, you need a little bit of salt in your body to hold on to that water or else you will dehydrate and you will die. So we need salt. As a matter of fact, in Africa, salt used to be used as, as currency just south of the Sahara Desert, and slabs of rock salt were used as coins. So they actually, in, in, in the 6th century, they were trading salt for gold pound for pound because they knew that their health depended upon having that salt that they didn't have uh, down further south in the African nations there. Salt is so important that wars have been fought over salt. The, um, the Romans were trying to take over most of, of Europe, and as they got into Central Europe over near north of Serbia and what, was, what later uh, has become Hungary and uh, uh, over uh, further west, uh, there was an area that they called the Celts, your ancestors for you Irish, and the Celts owned all the salt mines. And so guess what? When the Roman soldiers got up there and they found all that salt, war, what they get? Because whoever controlled the salt controlled vast uh, uh, amounts of wealth, and the Romans couldn't defeat them. Now, they finally drove them further west, but it was a huge set of wars trying to fight over salt. Now, the truth is, don't eat too much of it. We have so much salt in our diet, it is scary. So a lot of people die early because they just, they just love that flavor. Now, Jesus calls us the salt of the earth. What an interesting thing. When he says that, he says we're the salt of the earth. Now, I would use a term like if I were to say somebody is the dirt of the earth, okay? I want you to understand, we're cut out of the same place that everybody else is. We come from this world. I'm not an angel, neither are you, right? So when Jesus looks at us, he says, you've been drawn out of this earth, just like salt is. You're of the earth. You can't walk on water, can you? No. You and I are just the same as everybody else out there. And yet something happened to us to make us like salt. So what do Christians do that's like salt? Well, I got this. If Jesus were here living in your home, he was working your job, if he was attending your school or walking your street, what effect would he have on the people around him? Well, he would be salty according to this. He would be salty. Let's look at some of the comparisons. Did you know what we're called to do and what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to flavor life here. I know the disco down the road, and I know the, um, uh, I know the internet, and I know everything else has so defiled and flavored this world, it's about time Christians start making the world taste a little better. We are called to, to be salt here and now. The world stinks. 
The world needs something so it doesn't smell and taste and look so bad. That's where Christian comes in. We have so little concern about what we are like. So we worry about blending. We worry about getting along with everybody. And I understand that. This is not, this is not our call to, to be obnoxious and to be in the face of everybody and just make everybody upset. But you know, Christians are called to be different than the world. So Jesus uses that illustration, verse 13. He says, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his what? His taste, his savor. So who look, sound, uh, walk, dress, um, uh, live just like their neighbors and the people all up and down the street. If they don't have any difference, you've lost your savor. You know what happens to people who don't have any flavor, who are no different than the, than the thing that they're pulling on. So if I grabbed a, uh, if I got my eggs in the morning, which I had this morning, and I grabbed the salt shaker and I put it on there and I took a bite, I couldn't flake, couldn't taste it. I would put more on and then I tried to, if I couldn't taste it, you know what I'm going to do with that whole thing of salt? Throw it away. It's lost its savor. Jesus tells you there, if, uh, uh, if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? How do you salt salt? <laughs> it's thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Throw it away. We need to flavor our world. Christians... You know, Christians actually, if we got to living like Christ, your, your neighbors may not like you, but it makes their life better. They actually notice that. And I'm so sick and tired. Night and I, my wife and I watched a film that I got, and I thought it was going to be pretty good. But it was so demeaning of marriage. It was so demeaning of fatherhood. And Nina and I are like, why, 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 why? You know, they think, oh, we've got to do this to address those who struggle with their homes. Yeah, I know what it was like to have a dad leave. I know what it was like for a mom to cry herself to sleep every night. I know all that. I want to see somebody succeed at it, though. I need to see some Christians who stay married, who stay in love, who stay sweet, who stay the course for God because the world is crying out, is it ever going to work again? Christians need to have savor. They need to have a flavor. They need to show life is sweet. Yeah, it stinks sometimes, but we rejoice in it because of Christ, because of the promises of the Bible, because this is not our home, amen. And when the world looks at you, they don't need to see more of the same. They need to see Christ in you. They need to see a saltiness that just shows, boy, that just added flavor. To the world, we taste one of two ways. Either we taste well or we taste awful. Listen, in chapter 2, Paul says, We are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. To them that are saved, and we also are a savor, a flavor, to them that perish. To the one, we are the savor of death unto death, and unto the other, the savor of life unto life. So, be strong, godly, full-flavored example of a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's like, show the world, like, to be a Christian. Don't be ashamed of being salt. Flavor your neighborhood. That doesn't mean paint your hair purple. It doesn't mean that you need to have a boom box. Remember, I remember being in the 80s, everybody had a radio that, uh, or a tape player or something, and they put their speakers on the, on the windows and just blast it out into the estate. Anybody else remember that? Remember that? They, they, they enhanced that neighborhood that day, amen. Well, Christians, you've got, a, you've got a way to enhance just life. Even though they never get saved, they know what a marriage is. You see, the world voted, our country voted, Amer voted marriage out because they lost sight of what it was. Christians stopped being salt as far as marriage. We also are supposed to preserve important things like the family. They mock it. They hate the nuclear family. Ever, remember that phrase? That was the 1980s and 90s. This is the nuclear family does not exist. It does in my home. Nuclear means that there's mommy and daddy and children. And they hate that. They want a mommy and a mommy and, 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 a, and a child that hasn't decided his gender yet. They call that a family. 
The world needs some Christians who preserve that and won't say, well, you know what? Now, there are churches right now in Ireland and all over Europe that are standing up saying, we accept all people. Come along. We love everybody. Just doesn't matter what your orientation is. Doesn't matter what you want to do with your life. Doesn't matter who you love. Let me tell you, that is such a lie. You know what they've done? Well, they already lost their savor, but they damned another generation because nobody knows what a family is. Christians are supposed to preserve the family. They're supposed, we are supposed to preserve the life of babies. We are supposed to stop this. You say, now don't get politically involved. This is not politics. The abortion issue is not politics. The abortion issue is murder. We're supposed to stand up and somehow convince a mom to not throw her child away. Help her love that child or care for her. Maybe get it adopted if it can't be. You know, it costs over 20,000 euros to adopt a kid. It'll cost, it'll be free for a lot of people. It'll cost no more than 200 or 250 euros to abort it. We need to stop that. Christians are supposed to preserve some things. How about, you know, I know, I know, look, I don't like Leo Vradker. I definitely don't like Simon Harris. But the office that they're in, I respect. And if I ever got to meet him, I will refrain from punching. <laughs> Being half-hearted. I would like to, no. Listen, I respect dignitaries. I respect authority. I respect people who are in those positions. I pray for them, they get saved, or I pray them out of office. But I don't riot, amen? I don't burn cars. I don't smash windows. We need to preserve the peace. We need to go and stand at the four courts. We need to stand in front of City Hall. We need to stand in front of cameras and debate and discuss. But we do not riot, amen? Because we're trying to preserve life and we're trying to preserve respect. You know what? We need to preserve worship. Amen. This, this day and age, nobody knows how to worship God. Do I face this way? Do I wave this way? Do I, do I, we have, nobody knows how to pray. I sometimes wonder, does anybody know how to just bow their head and talk to God anymore? There is such a need for biblical Christianity to preserve true worship. No, remember I said that salt was added to keep meat from spoiling. You know, I really believe this. I believe the only reason why this world is still here is because Christians are still here. And when we keep falling away and falling away and falling away and not having any effect on our world, we're damning more and more people. We're letting the world spoil. We melt hearts. Christian, do you ever befriend people or do you just upset them? <laughs> you know, God puts into your life people at work, in a neighborhood, some new neighbor comes in, go up to them. Now, I've got crazy, listen, I don't know how my neighbors put up with me. I've got this big white bus that says Bible Baptist Church <laughs> on it, you know. And uh, when we first moved into our house, I rented a little Kamatsu uh, digger. It was, it was this tiny little thing in this digger arm because I was digging out and leveling my back garden. I'd worked for 14 hours, man, running that thing because I only had, a, only had 24 hours. I could rent the thing and I wasn't going to pay for two days of the thing. So I'm back there. My neighbors freaked out. They came and said, are you building a church back there? They were so <laughs> terrified. <laughs> You know, God gave me my neighbors. And my job is to melt their heart, not harden them. Yeah, my bus looks like, I'm sure all of my neighbors, when they have a Christmas, all their families come over, they pass by that white bus. You must be born again. But my job is to melt their heart, amen? That's my job. Do, I, uh, um, uh, Brother Dennis will tell you, when, we, when I had all five of them, well, yeah, we had five of our kids, four kids at that point. We moved here. My kids would be back on the back swing, swinging. They'd be singing Bible songs. 
And Dennis could hear on the back side. He was in the back that we hadn't met yet. And it melted his heart. So when I and my wife were walking around the, the block and we saw him, and he says, you've you're got those kids that sing Bible songs. Amen. Melt hearts. You know, a lot of salt is in the barn. They call it salt barns. It's nice to get it out of the barn and onto the ice. Amen. Christian, we need to get out of the church. Don't leave church, but anyway, get out of church on a Sunday when we finish and go out and melt some hearts. And there's one other thing. We create thirst. It's something that salt does. That's why when you get on an airplane or you go to the pub, uh, what do they give you? Peanuts. Heavily salted peanuts. Why do they do that? To make you thirsty so you pay $2.50 for a bottle, for a can of Coke. That's why they do it. Our words, our lives ought to cause people to become interested in the Bible. Your life, you may be only 16, 17. How old are you, Mary? 18. Getting too old. I can't remember anything. 18, you may only be 18 years old. But your life, when you live by those eight Beatitudes, when you follow Jesus Christ, when you live, love, think, and act and react like Jesus did, your friends will pull you on the side and say, what's got into you? Because you're, 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 you're salty. You're tasty. You're, you're interesting. You need to shake people's impressions of what Christianity is because all they think Christians are are wimps. All they think are Christians are airheads. You need to show them different. Now, there are dangers of becoming unsalty. Look there in verse 13 again. If the salt had lost his savor. You ever heard of the word good for nothing? It came from the Bible. Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ladies and gentlemen, when, when we are unsalty, which means this, we don't taste any different than the world around us. Does that make sense? Jesus talks real plain. We're so educated, we can't understand it. When we taste just the same as the world around us, we become ineffective in the ministry. So when you hand somebody the track, they look at you and go, eh. they, they think you're talking about church when you should be talking about life. Do you see the difference? If I'm telling somebody, you, you need to get saved, oh, you just mean for me to go to your church. But you see, if your life is salty, if it, it, if it has changed the tone of your work, I didn't mean for it. When I, was, um, when I went up to Bible college, I had to get a job because I had to pay for my school bill. Um, and so I, I got a job and I worked in this company that was working in healthcare. And uh, I tell you what, the filth of the mouth was, of, of these guys was so upsetting. And so I finally had it and I, I finally said, look, when I'm around, I'd really appreciate you guys just shut your mouth. I can't even stand, you can't even talk for five minutes without saying something filthy. I'm a Christian and I don't like it. And I've given you all gospel tracts. I've told you all you need to get born again. And you just mocked me. Let me just say, can we at least get along without the filth? Well, the heat back was like, like sitting in a sun bath. <laughs> the sun, sun, what are those sun things? Solar, what? How do you know? Anyway. Um, so, yeah, I know, I'm joking. So, I mean, I, so anyway, it all got back to the the boss called me in. He said, Mr. Ledbetter, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that everybody was really rude. I respect your desire to do work and not talk filth. So I've told everybody to watch their mouth. Strike one for Jesus. Praise the Lord. I actually, I got along with those guys like a house on fire. I didn't intend to. I just got, listen, when you hear the name of Jesus and you hear such filth um, mixed in the same conversation and talking about adultery and talking about these people were married and yet they, when they go on a business trip and they come back and they talk about what they did and stuff. And I just, I just had it. I got salty. <laughs> Amen. And it flavored the atmosphere. I worked for them. I worked with them for five years almost. 
didn't get me fired, got me a little bit of respect, amen? When we just go along, everybody snicker and laugh, jokes, you know what they go? He's just like us. You're ineffective. We'll also gain a damaged reputation. Do you know what, you know what, you know what the world does with Christianity? They spit us out because we taste bad, folks. We offer nothing different than what they already have. There are churches right now that sitting in their church, you'd think you were in a disco. Amen. Most churches do not have a Sunday night service. Why? Because it's not popular. It costs more for them to be open than it does for them to, to preach the gospel. It's hard to reach people who have no respect for you. Would you agree with that? The book of Proverbs says that a good name is worth more than great riches. We need to have good names, folks. People need to look at you, and they may not know much about you, but they ought to know that's a Christian. And they may go, and I don't like him. But they will respect you for being who you are. They respect the queers. I'm so glad you're able to tell us how you feel. Why don't we stand up? We stood back so darkness filled in. We're worth nothing to the world. Used to be when you said, I came to Ireland and I said, I'm a minister of religion. Ooh. And people would, would just be kind. Would just, they had a respect for Christianity. They had, even though it was Catholic, they had a respect for somebody who was in a religious uh, service or religious duty or whatever they would call it or whatever. They had respect. They don't have respect for anything now. And that's our fault. The world is only reacting to what they see and what they feel and what they taste. And they didn't taste Christianity to be salty. They tasted us being sour. No, <clears throat> not only are you supposed to taste like salt, but we're also supposed to be the light of the world. Look at verse 14. Matthew 5, 14 says, Ye are the light of the world. Not only your salt, but your light. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Just hold there for a second. I think you'd agree our world is a very dark place. Um, I've been around long enough. I know what's going on. I don't like knowing. But our world is full of unmentionable things going on. We're, you know... 1,600 years ago, it was reality in Ireland that children were being sacrificed. And here it is, back again in Ireland. At the behest of some kids, some young kids in government, they don't have the right to be up there. They're not old enough to know how to drive a car, and yet they're running our government. Amen. We have child sacrifice, unmentionable things. Do you really want me to show you a video of an abortion? Do you really want me to show you a video of them putting to death a child that has been born by a botched abortion and after coming out of the womb and then suffocating that child. Do you really want to watch that? Of course we don't want to see that. And the world hopes you don't want to see it because we get numb, and we get desensitized, and we know what's going on, but we don't think about it. Let me tell you, the truth is our world is dark. Can't even talk about it. Human and sex trafficking is alive and well. Go to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3. Now, start back in verse 1, because I'll, I'll explain this in a second. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, following their father. And we should walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a what? Sweet-smelling savor. Now, the sweet-smelling doesn't mean it was sugar. As a matter of fact, when you burn sugar, you know what that does? Man, it stinks. But when you burn salt, in all of the offerings that the, that the children of Israel offered, whether it was lambs or whether it was meal when they were taking uh, ground up uh, uh, cornmeal or wheat meal or whatever, when they would offer all that, they were supposed to put a pinch of salt in all of that. And it 
created an aroma that they said, that's the sacrifice. And when Jesus died, there was something about his sacrifice that was salty, so that when God smelled it, it was like a sweet-smelling, a very pleasant-smelling sacrifice. Look at verse 3. But fornication, that's messing around outside of marriage. And all uncleanness, that's in head and heart, unclean thoughts and unclean uh, feelings. Fornication and uncleanness, or even covetousness. Let it not be once named among you as become its saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, don't talk like a fool, nor jesting, which is not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. What, 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 what is Jesus asking us to do is shine and not be like the world. In our jokes, in our, in our hearts, go to chapter 5, 11, down to verse 11. Have, how much fellowship can we have? No fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Somebody came along your street, saw your kids out there playing, and uh, said, come with me. I've got some ice cream at home I want to give you. You'd punch them until they were near death, wouldn't you? Amen. Why don't we do that with Hollywood? The Me Too movement is not all there is that should be done against Harvey Weinstein. Verse 12 says this, For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them on TV. That's what it means. What used to be secret, what used to be behind doors, now is on everybody's TV, is on everybody's internet, is on everybody's phone. It is a shame to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. I can't even find out how much drink or drugs are consumed every weekend in Ireland. I try to find it out. They're, they have estimates, but they're not sure. Isn't that crazy? They're not even sure how much drink is, is drank or drunk. How many drugs are just done on the weekends? Rape and incest has never been higher. Do you know there used to be one murder a year in Ireland? Now there's one a week. You proud of that? We're used to it. Go to Romans. Go back to the left. Find Romans. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 24. Folks, can I just tell you something that just comes into my mind? If you want to have a church that talks like this, that preaches like this, that loves people the right way, like this, don't just skip church. Don't just miss church. Pull together. We have to hold together because it's going to get very hard to believe what we believe and to preach what we preach and to stand. I'm just asking you, be salt and be light because the world will trash us fast. Back to the, back to the message. Romans chapter 1, verse 24 says this, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in head and heart, through the lusts of their own hearts. He just let them go. Be like having a Rottweiler. You got to hold on that Rottweiler, and that Rottweiler smells blood. You know what a Rottweiler is? A pit bull? You only call it a, um, you know, not a poodle. <laughs> and God says, there you go. Have at it. God gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God about marriage and about sex and about their life into a lie. And ended up worshipped and serving the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You know, more kids know more about Thor than they knew about Jesus. Verse 26, And for this cause God gave them up, second time, unto vile what? Vile things that they love. For even their women did change the natural use of their bodies into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, natural use of the woman, burn in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense, called aids, of their error which was meet. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, burned out, messed up mind to do those things which are not 
convenient being filled with, and he lists all the sins. Would you agree with me? The world is a dark place. Now, you can be, you can be like a lot of Christians who say, well, I, 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 I can't be a part of this world. Well, you're going to have to stop breathing then. We live here. Truth is, in general, people do not love light. They love darkness. But this world needs light. Would you agree? How many of you needed somebody to give you the gospel? Come on. How many of you needed somebody to give you the gospel? Do you think you didn't need somebody to interrupt your life and make you mad <laughs> with the gospel? You got the wrong idea who and what you are. You're lost. You were blind. You were messed up. And somebody interrupted your life. Praise God. Wouldn't you agree that light is wonderful? You know, the beauty of this universe is only illuminated with I, I love the color green. It's my favorite color. But if, 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 you come in, if you come into a room and it's pitch black, I can't appreciate green, can you? Darkness cannot reveal anything. It only hides stuff. Would you agree? You ever, you ever gone looking for the kids or the grandkids now? Use kids' stories anymore. I have to use grandchildren. Soon it's going to be great-grandkids. Um, Connor and Chloe go and so it's kind of, it's easy because they're giggling the entire time when I'm looking for them. But they get a little bit of an advance because I've taught them, go into a dark room. Don't go into the kitchen and hide behind a chair. Find a dark room, then I have to look for you because I can't see you. I can't appreciate you. But light is wonderful so I can see my grandchildren. You ever thought about the curse of darkness? The further up you, north in latitude you live, Hard it is to live. I have a missionary friend who's up in the very top of Alaska. They call it the North Pole for a good reason. And um, you know what the men do up there, They're the Eskimos, from the moment they wake up until the moment they collapse at night? Do you know what they do? They drink. They drink while they're driving. They drink while they're working. They drink while they're cooking because it's dark eight months out of the year. And there are three months where they have no light. The sun doesn't even rise. You just get a bit of a glow over there. Now, for three months, they have the sun going around the earth, just like this. It just goes all the way around. It never sets. But for three months, they never see it, and they go demented. Siberia has a high, high mortality rate, suicide rate, simply because people just don't want to live during the winter. The, the darkness of the winter just kills them. That's why our government and my most governments came up with daylight savings time to actually help people not go so dark because it was so dark during the winter. You know, you ever think about it? I did this with the kids. I, my, my son Joel always would call me sissy because he, knew, he thought he knew how to drive better than me. So I would take him home from teen activity or whatever. He and his friends, we'd be going out in the back there, going up from Blarney or whatever. And I'm driving along, and, hey, guys. Watch me turn the light off, and I turned the headlights off. All of a sudden, my young son was going, Dad, Dad, turn the light on. He says, all right, am I a good driver? Yes, Dad, you're a great driver. <laughs> <laughs> Try and drive without the lights on. Light is a wonderful thing, man. I took Joel and Joshua years ago. You know what happened when the sun set? We played about an hour sitting there in front of the fire. We ate, and then we played Uno about 75 times. And uh, we talked, and we told jokes and everything. But at about 9 o'clock, you know what we said? Let's go to bed. Why? Because it's dark. We're out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, even, the, even the crickets were asleep, man. There was nothing, nothing going on. So we went to bed. You know, you can't do much in the dark. You need light. Light is a wonderful thing. What is light? You know what light is? Real fancy definition. You ready? It's vibrating energy. It's oscillating energy. Different speeds of vibration makes sound, and the faster it goes, it makes light. This is absolutely amazing. 
This is what's called the electromagnetic spectrum. And this is what we normally see with light, just a very small part. When you have an atom and it's vibrating, it creates radio waves, microwaves, infrared, normal light, ultraviolet, x-rays, and, and gamma rays. The faster something vibrates, the more energy is released. It is vibrating energy, and so when you're looking at that light, or you're looking at those lights, or you're looking at that, they're all vibrating energy, but they're all one spectrum, which means they were all spoken into existence. They were all made to vibrate. Our voice runs somewhere from about 20 vibrations a second up to about 20,000 vibrations per second, which is if you get somebody who's a real high alto soprano going, ah! That's really up there in frequency. But if I could go up at 400 million vibrations per second, I'd make a microwave. I'd cook, an, I'd cook a hot dog just with my voice. Okay? Some women scream. They use as x-rays. Just put it behind. <laughs> you know, all that energy, all that energy, light that we see, that's not all there is. Sound waves, all of that energy came from one event. Take your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God evolved the heaven and the earth. Is that what it says? <laughs> no, we still believe the Bible, amen? God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness, hello, was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And God said, you know what God did? He vibrated his voice. Did your dad ever say something and it rattle you? God said, let there be light, and from that moment, whew, Everything started to vibrate. Now, they used to have some singers 50 years ago who would stand and they'd have a wine glass here or a pane of glass and they would hit a note and shatter the glass by their voice. Okay, let me tell you, God's voice put everything in motion. Isn't it awesome? Created light. And he didn't create just red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. He created x-rays, gamma rays, Radio waves, the whole thing, when he said, let there be light. Isn't that cool? Now, that's because God is light. Go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, in verse 5. 1 John, not the Gospel of John, but 1 John, just for Revelation, says this, verse... Five. This then is the message which we have heard of him, of Jesus, and declare unto you that God is what? He is light. And in him is no darkness at all. God is light. Jesus is light as well. I'm just going to read it for you. And nobody else could say this thing. But Jesus said, I am the light of the world. John 8, 12. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of of life. Chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus says, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. There was a day where Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the top of the Mount of Transfiguration, and there it says that he was transfigured in front of which means his face shined brighter than the sun. He showed that he was light too, which means he's God. But before we go any further, I want to give you an interesting truth. When Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, you're the light of the world, he's not saying that you have your own light. We do not generate light. We can only reflect it. You know what we are? You see, this, you see this young lady here? She has a mirror. And this young man has got a torch, and he points that torch to the mirror, and all of a sudden it reflects Joe over here. Do you know what the Christian does? Jesus is that light bouncing off of my life and influencing somebody else. So, I'll show you this. You know what that is? That is not the sun. That is a mirror reflecting the sun off the side of a hill. It's pretty blinding, would you agree? 
So Jesus looked at his disciples and he says, whether you realize it or not, you're reflecting me. My light going through your life is bright to the world around you. We are reflectors of Christ's light. I like this. Acts 4, 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and of John, the Sanhedrin did, and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled at Peter and John. Why? Because they took knowledge of Peter and John that they had been with Jesus. Jesus had affected them, so they stood there, and they says, these guys are bright. These guys are so bright. Get them out of here. Psalm 113, sorry, Psalm 119, 130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. I can tell when you have been reading your Bible. I can, I can tell. Because you're like this. I hate life. God's word just reflects, it just does, folks. When you spend time in the Bible, it it illuminates. You and I can only be light in this. Uh, can only be light in this world by reflecting. We are not a DIY kind of religion where, well, I like your light. Oh, I don't like your light. And oh, I like your light. No, no, no. We all should reflect, be reflecting one light. Amen? Here's the end. Light is what we are. Shine is what we do. Philippians chapter 2, go back to the left, I'll show you a great verse. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. So if I was a cousin, okay, so Weston's going to have, actually his wife's going to have the baby. But Weston's going to have a new baby in his home, and that baby's going to grow up, and this little girl, one of these days, one of the cousins is going to come over to the house. They're going to be playing together and everything. And you guys haven't decided on a name, have you? Huh? Yeah, sweet. You don't have to tell us yet. Don't have to tell us yet, but you have to. Right? I was going to make up one, but I won't. Anyway, Susie here, okay. So, um, Look at the first verse here I'm showing you. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14. Do all things without murmurings and arguing, <laughs> disputings. Okay, can you imagine? Cousin comes over, cousins, knows Weston and Beth and Susie goes to church. But every time Mama says, Susie, I don't want you playing in that room. That room's off limits. You guys can play over here. And Susie goes, I hate my knob. She's so mean. What do you think that other cousin is going to think about your Christianity? That's why the Bible starts off with, make sure you're not murmuring and complaining. Look at the next verse. Verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye... Shine as lights in the world. We, we, our purpose is to shine. Ephesians 5, 8 says, You are sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the world. Walk as children of light. You are. So why not just live it? Because you cannot be hid. Do you know, it, it, if you... <laughs> it's New York City at night. You think you can hide a city like that at night? Impossible. So Jesus, as we read there in Matthew chapter 5, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You can't hide a city at night from, from everybody because all the windows and, and the, uh, uh, the candles in the windows uh, and, and things, you just can't hide it because people live there. Life in you, you can't hide who you are. I know during World War II, you had to buy these blackout curtains. So you may be old enough for some of that. But they had to, because they didn't want the Luftwaffe, and they didn't even want the British to find pinpoints to be able to find direction to go bomb their targets. But a city like that just can't be hid. And neither do you. Do you know, a, a covered up candle is a messed up thing. That's kind of stupid. 
Honey, I lit the candle. Make sure you put a cover over it. What planet do you live on? People will know that there's light in you, whether you are a good Christian or a bad Christian. Why would you cover it? Why would you hide it? And we do it. I've been there. I've been embarrassed at myself because I get around somebody and the Holy Spirit says, shine, buddy. And I don't want to shine at that moment. And so I try to squelch it. I grieve it. I, I, I um, try to push it out of the way. And, and that person's trying to prize Are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. <laughs> My attitude stinks. We cannot be hid, folks. By the way, if I can say this, if people don't think you're a follower of Jesus, then guess what? You're not. If they don't know that you're different, then you're not. They already know you're different. They already know you're weird. They already know you're peculiar. So walk as children of light. Matthew 5, 16, we'll close with these thoughts. Back to Matthew 5, 16. Jesus concludes, he says, Let your light so shine, keep shining before men. Because all of these things, all these things we read there, the Beatitudes, are our good works, that they may see your good works, and they'll glorify your Father. These good works don't get you saved, do they? Not at all. These are the good works because you are saved. These are the works that you are supposed to be doing now that you are a saint, now that you are forgiven. And when they see your good works, they will glorify your Father, which is in heaven. They need to see some good works. They probably know about some of your past and your history. It would be nice for them to see some good works. Listen, if you, if you work on a job where you take a lunch, uh, carry your Bible with you. Put it down on the table while you're eating your, your, your lunch or whatever. Read your Bible for that 30 minutes or something. You know what that is? That's a good work that will make your, that will shine in your, in your place of employment, and it'll be a salty taste to everybody, and they'll respect you. They need to see some good works. And they'll glorify your Father which is in heaven. Can you imagine? This world does nothing but respect God. You know who's to blame? Put both hands up. We are. We've given them nothing to honor God by. We haven't. We've gone into hiding. So let's take our role seriously. Take it very seriously about who we are and what we've decided to do to look like light and to taste like salt. You're in the kingdom of God now. If you're born again, if you're saved, you're in that kingdom. You may be living here, but you're, you're, the way you live is in a different kingdom. You need to live like you are in the kingdom of God because, and, and, and when you're living in the kingdom of God, you will look and feel and taste and smell different than the world around you. What you need to do is make sure your saltiness has not grown stale. That's important. I, I worry. We're 25 years as a church. I remember the zeal when we were in Blarney. We were freezing in Blarney, weren't we? We had mice in Blarney. But we had zeal. We loved it. You couldn't, I mean... We didn't care if the track was blank. We took tracks and we were handing them out. Amen. <laughs> we just, there was zeal. There was love for God, love for preaching. We just, Sunday morning, we came back Sunday night. Then we came again on Wednesday. Actually, everybody came to our house. And my, we, my wife went, <gasps> the rug. <laughs> anyway, um, there was just, it was so cool. We lost some zeal. not excited. We don't have that zing. Pour off the salt. It doesn't have any flavor. You know what you do? Throw it away. I don't want to be cast away. I don't want God to say, can't use you anymore, Led better. Can't use that church anymore. You've lost your savor. You've gone dark on me, Led better. That scares me. I ought to scare you. 
Let's bow real quick. We're not going to stand yet. I'm just going to ask you to bow. It's easy, so easy to cool off. It's so easy to dim. So easy to let the world dilute us so we have no real flavor anymore. It's going to be a lot of work getting back that zing, getting back that zeal, that love. That's what revival is. And we need that, God. But we need to want it first. Lord, I pray that our church would be salt and light. You told us we are. Well, we're pretty poor examples. So right now I ask that you forgive us and you'd help us, God, to take our role very seriously. If, if the world already knows we're different, why don't we go ahead and be different? May we just humble ourselves and say, we're sorry, God. I'm sorry. Please don't let me lose my savor anymore. Help me Spend more and more time with you because you're a perfect light and you are perfect flavoring, perfect salt. And I want to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.